Hey, Benjamin here. This episode contains light spoilers for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Hobbs and Shaw. And I want to emphasize light spoilers, but if you're worried at all about having these movies spoiled, you might want to skip this one. All right, here's the show. All right, hello. Welcome to Apple Chat off script. Uh, normally, Apple Chat is a show where two best friends exchange thoughts on a movie or some topic. And sometimes we play sound bites and songs and stuff, but that's not what we're doing today. Today is Apple Chat off script, where we uh, talk about other stuff. But first, we're going to listen to some listener phone calls. I'm here with Joey. Joey, say hey. Hey, I'm here with a a beer and a backup beer in my uh, tiny cooler. I have to keep it nice and cool. Nice. And my my air conditioning is off, so it's about to get nice and toasty in here. Here, last time you cut out my my nice fully work, so I'm gonna bring attention to it. Ready? Okay. Oh man, that was that nice. That is satisfying. <laughs> That's great. I uh, I'm I'm also here with a beer, and uh, I, I'm not what going. What are you to, drinking? I'm I'm against free advertising. Um, <laughs> I I wish. Well, I'm not against it, but n- these beer companies don't need our help. So I uh, I I would like to invent a fictional. Uh, brew, uh, brew. Okay. The, the, I'm drinking Affable Chat Lime. The same Ooh. fresh taste of Affable Chat that you love now with lime. Made with natural lime flavor, as it says on the front of this <laughs> bottle. Which, you know that that's like, nothing gets fresher or more organic than natural lime flavor. So, no, let me that, just take that's a... That's definitely true. Mm. My, me, myself, I'm, uh, I'm uh, drinking a White Claw. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's the flavor that? I'm drinking. The, that's, oh, okay. The, yeah, the <laughs> fuckboy laugh flavor. Dude, the thing like White Claw is such an intriguing drink. Uh, this summer has been the summer of White Claw for sure. And uh, you honestly, I don't even think you have to drink White Claw. Like they're they're definitely like the premier brand. You know, they're the one that you take a photo of it to put on social media. Right. But the whole spiked seltzer drink genre didn't exist to me before. Like I didn't know you could get hammered with like a clear liquid out of a can and uh but now i know well why would you i think is the is the real question what what are you talking about it's so easy to drink it's like dangerously easy to drink yeah well, that's part of the problem too and it doesn't taste very good I, I mean i don't even like seltzer water i don't even know why i mean i have white claw in my fridge i'm not even sure how that happened and i don't know what's going to happen to it it's just going to sit there i can't even like use it for cooking you know i can use beer for like you can't even use it cooking <laughs> That's you know, your you can, problem with white claws, like is that I can't even use it. Like That's the a, problem. It's a, it's a fine drink, but can I cook with it? <laughs> no, the problem is that I'm never going to use it because I don't have any use for it. It's uh, it. <laughs> the, okay, here's the thing with beer. When I was first getting into drinking, like beer tasted bad. The barrier for entry was that my taste buds had to suffer through beer to get to the drunk. You have to suffer through how bad it tastes. I mean, sure. the same the same thing is true for shots, right? Shots are painful, but they get you hammered quickly. The thing about White Claws and all the other you know adjacent drinks is that it tastes fine. You can drink it. It, and people claim you're you're even getting hydrated when you drink a white claw or, That's or not something. True. Because it's like, oh, it's mostly water, dude. <laughs> but, drink water then if you're so concerned about your hydration. <laughs> alcohol like alcohol gets you drunk because it dehydrates you. So, like, that doesn't make any sense. For, for, second of all, like, yes, I agree that when I was first drinking beer, I um I it tasted bad. I didn't like the taste of it. But then I learned that there were different types of beer and I learned which type I liked the best. And that's now the only type that I drink. And it tastes good to me. 
maybe I'm used to it, but maybe I, uh, maybe I just found what I like. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, could you call beer an acquired taste? I, I definitely, I definitely acquired it. I don't yeah. know if it's as difficult for everyone else, but uh, I know when I first had, I remember my first beer type of deal and it was awful. It was seriously like, Ooh, like, I, like <laughs> you make like that, make a face after you drink it. And now I'm sipping my affable chat with lime, with natural lime flavor. And I'm not even wincing at all. In fact, it, it's quite refreshing. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I feel the same way. You know, I, I definitely acquired a taste for beer. I tried to acquire a taste for like IPAs and stuff. And that's, I mean, that's not my favorite, but that's something that I can definitely drink. Um, and Are, is beer totally on the way out though? Is White Claw and S- Spike Seltzer just the way of the future? And um, I, it is the, I would say White Claw is to beer as Dippin' Dots is to ice cream. And that some people what? like it, but it's actually <laughs> objectively terrible. <laughs> Okay, that <laughs> you can't say it's objectively terrible. It's an opinion, but it it's it is uh, outselling beer this summer, though. Is that true? I'm I want to say that's how not is that fake possible? News. There's only one type of seltzer, isn't it? No, that's not true at all, dude. There's plenty of brands uh, that compete with off. Uh, I was about to say off script with White Claw. Uh, so uh, like, uh, Black but, okay, Claw. actually, that might be that might be fake. White news, Talon. Though is white claw outselling beer okay thank you google autocomplete <laughs> i'm glad none always of my listening thoughts... <laughs> um dude i love how people also ask is white claw beer <laughs> hilarious dude come on imagine what kind of moron i mean imagine how many white claws <laughs> There's any white claws you have to drink before you sit down in front of your computer and Google is white claw beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's uh Oh, okay. This is this is actually what I what I heard. It's that sales have surpassed all craft beer brands. So white oh, claw wow. is outselling craft beer and like craft beer is supposed to be like the trendy drink, right? Or it was yeah. the trendy thing to drink. So there's more so that doesn't make any sense to me. There's so many craft beers out there. I guess the, it's, the and, sum total of craft beers being sold is less than the sum total of White Claw. No, no individual craft beer brand uh, is outselling okay. White Claw except for uh, Blue Moon Belgian White. Oh, I I actually had one of those at the airport recently, and yeah. one of those really really tall glasses. Love and those. This was posted on July 4th from Milwaukee's local CBS station. So. You can tell like it, it's the most reputable source on the internet. Definitely. I mean, and, what else is there to do in Milwaukee except for drink? So they would know. Well, yes. And uh, I was looking here. White Claw is not beer and is, in fact, hard seltzer. Thank you, Google. Hard seltzer. Okay. Um, what we Thank do without you, Google. Google, for uh, that answer. Okay. So <laughs> like we were saying, we're going to get started this, <laughs> this episode with uh, some phone calls. So as you guys hopefully know, if you follow us on Twitter or have listened all the way through any of our like last five episodes, we have a phone number that you can call and leave us a message. And we promised you if you called that number, we'd play your voice, your, the message you leave us on an episode of Apple Chat. Right, Joey? That's right. And you wanted to say what that number is again? Uh, sure. It's 833-600-CHAT. Yes, that's 833-600-2428. Call us now. Operators yeah. are standing by. Yes. If you, uh, you can go ahead and pause the episode and call now or take a little bit, take a little bit of inspiration uh, from these two messages that we got that were left for us 
uh, before this episode, and maybe you know that'll get the the juices flowing in your brain, and you'll be able to uh, come up with a reason to call us. There are no wrong answers, as you'll see today. Uh, so please pick up that phone, dial that number. That's eight three three six hundred two four two eight. Yes, that's eight three three six hundred chat. All right, so let's uh, let's get started with this first one here. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play it, and after we listen to it, we'll respond. So let's go. Hello, Benjamin and Joey. Um, just calling your affable chat hotline. That was a nice uh, greeting on your voicemail. Um, I think I'll choose to remain anonymous, but you probably know who this is calling. Um, I wanted to let you know that I'm moving right now. And I really appreciated your episode about moving. Um, helped me put together a plan for how I'm um, tackling this job I'm doing right now. Um, another aspect of moving is that the Minecraft server that I'm hosting is going to change IP addresses. So be on the lookout for uh, a text from me. I'll give you guys the new IP address. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed the show. Um, I was doing a great job. I look forward to the next episode. Goodbye. Thank you, Anonymous. Yes, we'll uh, we'll just refer to him as uh, Mr. S, a uh, little uh, ro- uh, School of Rock episode okay. or uh, reference, <laughs> um, <laughs> just so we can say, um, Mr. S, thank you for leaving us a message. Uh, yes, that was- thank you for all that. That was wonderful. I appreciate you complimenting our our message, our greeting. And you won't know what that is unless you call. So that, that's right. So call even if it's just to listen to that. But to to talk about some of the things. Uh, Mr. S brought up like um, yeah our our moving episode actually got some good uh, play it was uh, people picked that up I think part of the reason why people played that episode more than some other ones is that there's no prerequisite for it if you just want to hear about people moving you can listen to that episode and uh, well I'm glad that that helped you out because moving is a it's tough it emotionally and just uh, physically, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it's draining, and I'm glad that uh, you know we're maybe us talking about going through that too helps to alleviate a little bit some of that stress. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly nice to know that other people are going through that same thing. I mean, it was certainly kind of lucky that we were going through the same thing at the same time. You know, we could both empathize really easily. Yes, and and so. at least for me, talking about it uh, with you helped me to feel better about it. And uh, yeah. just be that much more confident. I mean, I'm still here. You're you're still there, right? <laughs> yeah. So we did all right. Haven't up yet? Things are going all right so far. <laughs> also, um, Mr. S here is our uh, Minecraft server uh, host. Host, yes, and yeah. uh, looking forward yeah, to yeah. getting back into that. Although, uh, actually, that kind of brings uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up on this on this episode was. Minecraft uh, or PewDiePie's YouTube channel essentially being a Minecraft channel at this point and I'll be honest, I've loved it I've I, it was one of the things <laughs> that I've loved the most uh, that has kept me you know a consistent part of my life through this transition from Oklahoma to South Carolina but I'm a little tired of it at this point <laughs> same because <laughs> I um I jumped off the train probably around episode 10 or 11 I think um, what was I happening? I don't remember. I don't. I can't remember what the last one was. I, mean, he, I think he went to the water temple or something. I don't remember. I like. I don't know. I I I can deal with PewDiePie for like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, occasionally twenty minutes. But like having twenty to thirty minute episodes every day is just like 
like I need to have time to do other things. You know, I need time to watch other things than just him play Minecraft. Even though he's objectively, he has like I say objectively again. For me, he's definitely brought a lot of uh, a lot of joy back into the game for me. Like him rediscovering a lot of the uh, hidden aspects of the game um, definitely made me think, oh wow, like I, I I'm so jaded, like I, I'm so used to these things, you know, because I play Minecraft all the time and I got I've got used to all the new updates and slow progression of things. So seeing him discover all that stuff um, for the first time is uh, kind of gives me a new set of eyes to those things and realize how cool and interesting they are. Definitely, and. For as a person who, you know, my main complaint about Minecraft is that it's a time suck. It is kind of cool to see somebody to watch every episode so that they play Minecraft faster than I could, and sure. they're like, or well, they, I mean, my, PewDiePie plays Minecraft faster than I could. He does cool, interesting things, so I, I kind of get to satisfy my craving for Minecraft while also watching PewDiePie. But at this point, he's been doing it for so long that I, I'm kind of ready for him to move on. It just seems like the YouTube algorithm is working too well for him to give it up right now. Yeah. Because he, I mean, people have talked about how PewDiePie never trends. And then now he's trending number one on gaming every single day. He posts a Minecraft video. And the, the, I mean, obviously to stay on top, he has to do clickbait. But like, the titles are so clickbait every time. It's like, never do this in Minecraft. And it's like a thumbnail of him like freaking out. And there's Sven and there's like fire next to him. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, like it possibly, yeah. Yeah, like for instance, I think I jumped off the train when it was, it, it wasn't that long ago. I think it was earlier this week. But it was when I finally realized I didn't want to watch anymore was the thumbnail was like, the unthinkable happened in Minecraft. And yeah. it was like Sven like, next, next to, to a creeper. creeper. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen the thumbnail. The episode begin and of course PewDiePie's face is there and he's like oh like it's totally like oh no Sven and then the episode begins with uh, PewDiePie doing something and he turns around and there are two creepers next to Sven and they start to swell up and about to explode and then the screen blacks out and you hear the double explosion and PewDiePie like ah and it like the captions like later in this episode and you're oh, like oh no is Sven totally gonna die in this episode I mean even though Sven is like if he dies the series ends yeah so many important characters have died at this point where you're like i kind of like if he's gonna die i'd like to witness it and yeah. uh, of course he doesn't die spoiler alert he, he lives and uh and then you're just like okay dog. i just I, pewdiepie just got me to give him 30 more minutes of watch time uh for basically the same thing you know he, uh, he yeah i felt a little bit like tricked at that point so i uh after that i was like eh, not as important to me but but I've been watching PewDiePie for, I don't know, how long ago did you recommend PewDiePie to me? I don't know. It was probably uh, a couple months ago. It wasn't that long ago. It was at least three months. It was, it was, okay. It's was. it been a while. But either way, uh, this is what convinced me to buy merch. And my Sven IKEA shirt showed up, and uh, and I wore that to a barbecue on Friday with oh, yeah? mixed results. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people. Does that mean some people saw it, like, recognized it? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, wow. I mean, dude, come on. I'm in... I'm in uh, computer engineering like i, I oh, work yeah, with right. i work with gamers okay like when people people stereotype gamers and i'm like dude you guys don't even know like i, I know real life gamers you know and they're exactly what you think no no <laughs> <laughs> i uh i bought some uh jorgen merch and I, I it's long sleeve so i haven't had a chance to wear it because it's been too hot you already got I'm it looking... yeah i didn't get I it yet I... oh you didn't get it yet i, thought no, you I ordered your, it but only my spend shirt merch. showed up yeah only spend showed up so far i'm still waiting on jorgen Oh, I ordered it. I ordered it when he first got it made it available. So I don't know if it puts me in a higher priority or not, but I don't know. I'm waiting. I'm holding out 
for the 100 million merch, which is going to happen very soon because um, he's very close. He's un- he's at 99 million at this point, a little over that. Yeah. It's like 99.3, 99.6, somewhere in there. And even though T-Series passed him, I still... Just the idea of being like the singular most popular, or rather the most popular like single person content creator on YouTube, which yeah. is definitely by far the most important video platform on the internet. Like that's still cool, and I still want to witness that. Um, I, I mean, I didn't know about PewDiePie until he was in the eighty millions. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's when I started. So I, I'm I, at this point it's still novel to me that there is this person who's just so wildly popular. Like, I, and it's crazy because he, no one else is even close. Yeah, you know, like then second place. I don't know. It's I think second place might have been like Dude Perfect or maybe Ryan's uh, Toy Reviews or something. They're in like the thirty millions, maybe, maybe forty million. Like, he is. He's not just first. He's like way ahead way way ahead and it's always been that way ever since he got to first place ever since he passed smosh no one's ever been able close to touch him except for of course t-series right and his and his stuff routinely gets millions of views like every single day you you, you watch like the current episode of minecraft and it's you know however many views so far but you look just a couple of days ago everything's like seven million eight million or more you know yeah and it's like this is in the and happening at the same time that like Fox News is pulling in like one million viewers on, during prime time. So that whole I'm just glad that that exists. That there are it's, like individual it's, people who can do that. It's really crazy when you start to think about it. But the other thing that's that's interesting is that like up until very recently when Minecraft really took off, like he was getting probably like I would say two percent of his like subscriber numbers on each video. You know, like he would have you know, uh, 50 million subscribers, uh, but he would only get 1 million views on his videos or sometimes less. And it wasn't until recently that that number started to come up again, um, which is interesting because like when you look at other channels that are like really popular, or really successful, um, sometimes their view numbers outpace their subscriber numbers. And really like views and watch time is what gets you money in YouTube. That's the thing that's important. Um, subscribers are like this very arbitrary number that's like hard to verify and really kind of hard to quantify um, because it doesn't necessarily translate to like revenue at all right but it's and especially when they kind of nerfed the subscribe button by adding the notification bell it's it it can almost be totally meaningless um, it kind of is depending on where you are in your YouTube I mean obviously 99 million subscribers is definitely different from like 30 subscribers but there's sure. a certain point in there where it's it matters more who is just shown that you have a video right because people can subscribe to you and then they'll never see you again so uh yeah it, it happens yeah i mean that's just i mean that's just the nature of of the of the platform and everything people subscribe but people don't unsubscribe so it just happens. So I, that's one of my favorite things is when YouTube finally recommends something from someone I subscribed to long ago, and I'm like, oh, I totally forgot about this creator. This guy's <laughs> awesome. And then then you've got like you know eight videos of things to watch, and you're like, YouTube, where were you? Like, why weren't you showing this to me? Totally forgot yeah. I subscribed to this guy. Um, so. I don't know. I just think I think it's interesting. Um, I I love seeing how PewDiePie changes to stay on top, and I don't think I'm the only person who's getting sick of Minecraft at this point. Uh, no. So I'm wondering what's next or how he's going to pivot. I mean, 100 million would definitely be a good place to pivot. Um, sure, but we'll That's see. True. Yeah, I, I'm sure Minecraft is still paying dividends at this point. Yeah, exactly. He's. I mean, he seems to really enjoy it, which is actually like kind of funny, especially considering how like. 
most of the people that I've talked to who play Minecraft have always like when they first saw it were like, this is stupid. I don't get it. You know, I was the same way. Like my brother started playing it, and I'm just like, I like this is dumb. I I do not understand what the fascination is. And then I started to play it, and it just like clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, right? And There's it, so, I mean, it's just so much unlimited potential. And you, once you start getting into it, you can see that for yourself. Oh yeah. So, but again, it's you. It's you can only get so much of that feeling when you're watching someone else do it. And yeah. uh, I think I've reached. I'm totally saturated with uh, <laughs> PewDiePie Minecraft. I'm ready for something else. Uh, so. The um the only other thing I want to say about about that is that he kind of plays differently than other people I've watched play Minecraft on, um on YouTube. Uh, the the people that play on the Hermitcraft server, for example, um uh, they are like very technical and kind of like outside the game in a way. They're always talking about like, uh you know the steps they're taking to get to the next the thing and everything, uh and like what resources they need to get and you know what they're ultimate um, goal is they kind of play this meta game with it which is fun and, and interesting especially since there's so many of them that interact with each other but pewdiepie is more like he's kind of more concerned with the narrative of his story you know he's like oh like here's all these characters and like they all have personalities you know he spawns the wither in front of his house to blow it up trying hoping that it would have some like massive crater in his meatball or something so like it, the stuff he's doing is more to facilitate like the legend that is pewdiepie playing minecraft more so than like oh like let's see what kind of cool things we can squeeze out of this game right well and if you go back to our minecraft episode and my affinity for my ratman character that's exactly yeah. how i want to play minecraft and want to see others play minecraft so i i really enjoyed it like the the I, i'm trying to remember if it was gold or diamond but i think it was gold it was like the, at the end of one episode he had collected a lot of gold and he's like it's it's like it's for an old friend and he like makes a bunch <laughs> of like gold blocks and then goes and builds his uh little shrine the jurgen 2 shrine yeah. with uh with gold blocks and it's it's just nice you know it's like it's I, so nice it brings a lot of <laughs> meaning into minecraft which it is for me the the most compelling thing about minecraft is how this so clearly fake and virtual world can be so real to the point yeah. where you're like sorry i don't kill sheep sorry sheep are like i'm i that's not ethical or the opposite where you're like i will kill all sheep because this one's personal this <laughs> one yeah this one sheep wronged me and now <laughs> i will kill all the rest of them uh, yeah. and also dude it's so tempting to just steal his jokes all the time because he's so he has jokes that work in any situation like for instance whenever something dies he was like he was like father to me he was, the, he was like a son to he me. was the son i never had like, you know, how is he both and he's also like a minecraft chicken so like how are you identifying so strongly with this i know uh, oh it's so funny you know he does such a good job with all that i mean that's something he's he's done from the very beginning was like uh, giving this narrative that was never there and like his horror games and stuff giving personality to the things around him so yeah he's just i don't know he's, he's very empath empathetic in that way it's interesting right and people can like just like a pewdiepie in general like people can look at his past and judge him however they want and, and look but for the time being the minecraft era of pewdiepie has been nothing but wholesome fun and yes, I, really I, I really enjoy well wholesome fun and also like depressing tragedy when, <laughs> <laughs> dude when jurgen 2 died i was legit upset <laughs> I, I couldn't believe i was like i can't believe this happened <laughs> it's just this is over the flash you know it was one of those things where you're like you know every, it was all good just like 10 minutes ago like it just yeah and then it's like tragedy strikes 
That's so that's so funny. Yeah. I mean, just like real life, you know? <laughs> just like real uh, life. Yeah, unfortunately, just like real life. Uh, speaking of real life, we've got one more uh, phone call to go over oh. uh, just, just while we're still talking about uh, the voicemails. So this is a short one. I'll play it for you right now. I love you. <laughs> that was it. Let's play it one more time for him. Yeah. I love you. So this is remarkably similar to an email we once received yes right? yes uh from uh parker owens a uh, a longtime fan of the podcast uh follows us on twitter and he <laughs> sent us an email that said i love you and and let me st- and we've mentioned that on a previous episode and i don't want to make any assumptions here uh about who made this phone call obviously he didn't leave any contact information but i'm willing to bet it was it was him again uh, <laughs> Repeat offender. <laughs> I know his voice. That, again, three words uh, that are all one syllable. Not a lot to work with here as far as voice recognition goes. Mm. But I believe this could be him. So um, whether this is you or not, Parker, just a reminder, we love you too. Uh, yes. Just us. And, whoever, and to ho- whoever sent this voicemail, we also love you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, just sharing the love here. And, and again, look how we just we played that one. If you want to call us and leave a message, however long or short, We'll play it. So that's our promise that's right. to you uh, here at Affable Chat. Uh, so, so yeah. So that that does it for our phone uh, our, our phone segment. Until we receive some more messages, that'll be it. Uh, just just a reminder once more. That's eight three three six hundred two four two eight. Yes, that's eight three three six hundred chat. Call us anytime. Yes, please call us. It's uh, I was. <laughs> I, I wish I could find like a more complete version of this, but do you remember at the end of Magic School Bus episodes, they'd be like, and it'd be kids like dialing their phone numbers. And it's like, is this the Magic School Bus? Is this the Magic School Bus? Like we yeah. need something like that. It's like, is this affable chat? <laughs> and uh, can oh, get people to call, call in. Because I mean, remember how much we all love that segment from Magic School Bus? I do. I <laughs> love Magic School Bus. That was a great show. Magic School Bus meant my uh, my science teacher was not having a good day, and which meant we were going to have a great day because we weren't <laughs> going to do anything. We we're just going to watch Magic School Bus. We didn't watch a lot of Magic School Bus in school. We watched this thing in middle school. It was like the best animated science uh, like thing I've ever seen. It was called Science Court. You ever heard of it? Yes. Oh, I love Science Court. It's like um, um, so good. Uh, it's a, a little bit Futurama y the way it's drawn. Am I? Am it's I... like it was kind of like rough around the edges and stuff. The the characters all had like very unique like designs where they were like not quite like they were like human ish, not very uh, yes, not like very uh, kind of kind of blobby in a way, but like kind of accentuated their characters. Right, and they had like and, unrealistic and a, hair colors and stuff. There was always a prosecutor and a defense attorney. Um, and they were always played by the same people, but they had different defendants and, and, um, uh, I guess what's the, what's the prosecutor's defendant? Uh, I guess the, there isn't one. I don't the know. The prosecutor's, his, uh, client? It, yeah, what? client, I guess. There were diff- different people that came to science court with a certain transgression and they would argue about like who was right on the basis of science. Oh my um, gosh. It was, it was so much fun. It was so hilarious. Yeah. It's H. John Benjamin and Paula Pound. H. John Benjamin from uh, Bob's Burgers and uh, yes. uh, Archer. Yes. And uh, and Paula Poundstone from. Paula Poundstone from. Wait, wait, don't tell uh, me. Wait, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> Dude, I, I love her. I, you, you kind of just uh, like brought back like a whole bunch of memories. I, I think totally, I just saw that happen to you in real time. I totally <laughs> forgot about Science Corp, but actually their animation style was one of the things that I liked the most. And isn't yeah. it kind of. This might be hard to like describe, but like, isn't it kind of minimal with the sound? 
Like, isn't there a lot of like just silent background with human voices? Like, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain. I, I don't remember that uh, the sound quality like being specific enough for me to remember. But it, I just remember like the way it was drawn, and I just remember it being like both really informative and also hysterical. And we actually like enjoy learning at, like stuff through this show. And it's like I still remember some of the things like they taught us like what the difference between the scientific definition of death was. Or like what? why the seasons change? Oh my yeah, gosh. it was awesome. Yeah, I don't remember. I definitely watched Science Court minimally compared to some of the other like educational shows we watched at school. Like Bill Nye definitely got a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Magic School Bus definitely got a lot of play. Believe it or not, I don't think I ever watched in school, but Beekman's World was one that I watched a lot at oh, home yeah? uh, that I thought was super informative. Do you remember Beekman's World? I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever actually seen any of the shows. He was featured on um, Captain Disillusion. Yes, and, and honestly, that's Cap- kind of how I've I've, I've like reheard about him. Yes, Captain Disillusion is definitely different, but in a similar vein of like absurdity, but also science. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> Beekman's World for me was a it was like the uh, generic brand or like the like the shitty off brand version of Bill Nye, and not sure. And maybe shitty <laughs> off brand is is like putting it down too much. But the whole thing about the show was it was kind of like dingy and and like, like not low budget, low budgety. Yeah, like I mean, but when Bill Nye would do, I, I mean, Bill Nye was also similar, uh, where they would have like funny sound effects and stuff. But Beekman's World pushed it to like the extreme limit. Like he would he would like move his arms. He'd be like, whoosh, whoosh, you'd hear like the sound, yeah, effect, lots of sound effects, or he'd be yeah. like with science, and he'd like pull his fist down you know and kind of like a yes kind of movement but it sure. would be like a flushing noise for a toilet like, <laughs> whoosh, like it's he would you know teach you science but also for me make you laugh out loud so yeah yeah uh, and my mom was a big fan of beekman's world so that's definitely why he was uh he got a lot of play at my house but uh yeah this i'm always impressed when shows like that hold up because yeah. there's so many shows from my childhood that i could never sit through now and the finding the ones that still hold up is is great it it's one of those things where uh you know we all love spongebob and everyone's like oh spongebob is so great like seasons one through three is so good you know uh they don't make kids shows like that today and i Mm -hmm. i don't really have a grasp on today's kids shows so i can't really say anything for sure but i think i'm getting to the point where I can confidently say which ones do hold up when I watch them again now and which ones were just nostalgia. I mean, yeah, that's definitely true. One of the ones that I loved growing up was Kim Possible. Um, I, I, I watched so much Kim Possible. Uh, A lot of, we like DVR'd it every day and we'd watch it and skip through the commercials. But it was always, of course, like the same, like 10 or 12 episodes, uh, even though it had like a whole backlog of episodes. Um, but oh man, that show is so great, and uh, and I watched it again recently. Like somebody had some like bootleg version that they put on YouTube, um, and that I mean, it's I think it still holds up. I think it's still like a, a very quality show with lots of like great gags, um, and like taking itself not too seriously uh, while also being you know just fun for kids. It's uh, it's got Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable, right? Ron Stoppable, that's right. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's like uh that'd be like having Kim winner and Ron loser. Like Well, I should, that was kind of the premise of the show. But I think the I, I think well her name is like supposed to be impossible, right? 
Kim Possible does the impossible. And then Ron Stoppable is supposed to be unstoppable as well. Like it just was like oh, a play. There. Okay, I definitely missed that. For me, it was like Kim Possible, like everything she does, she can make it possible. And Ron is like the thing that makes him most unique about him is that he's like so easily like anything he tries to do can be so easily <laughs> mitigated and prevented because he's just like weak willed and totally incompetent. So there's one episode <laughs> that that I remember very clearly because I saw it so many times, which is the one where he gets royal, like royalties for inventing a new type of like Mexican food for his. They always go to that same what? Uh, restaurant. <laughs> oh, it's so good! It's one of the best episodes. They go, they go to this restaurant every episode where they go down and, and it's like a Mexican restaurant. It's supposed to be like a like a Moe's or a Taco Bell or something. And he invented this thing called the Naco, which is like a taco with nachos. It's supposed to be like this big <laughs> greasy thing. One day, the the owner of the restaurant comes up to him and says, "Hey, uh, you, your royalties just came in. You get five cents for every Naco sold." And Ron is instantly a millionaire. He's ninety nine million dollars, <laughs> and he flaunts it around buying the most ridiculous things. He buys a giant pinky ring that he can't even lift. Um, <laughs> he he has a whole entourage, and he's like passing out money. He, and um, eventually, he uh, he gets captured, of course, by the evil guy Draken, um, who uh, takes all his money because Ron kept all ninety nine million of it in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Draken has this great line. He says, "Once I acquired your bank, <laughs> it's like, just your pants." Oh man! Uh, and he's able to use that for his nefarious schemes. And of course, like the whole thing is about how like the the wealth goes to his head, and he d- becomes a different person and everything. But all, ultimately, he is stopped, and uh, all the things are returned to normal. Well, of course, he's Ron Stoppable. I would. That's right. <laughs> any other outcome is like extremely unlikely. Um, but speaking of things that we've watched recently, um, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, finally. Oh, me too. I can't believe I waited. It, it's been out for like a month now at this point. It, Tarantino's yeah. ninth film uh, starring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, no less. And that's what moving and, uh, will Margot do Robbie to you. Too. And Margot Robbie, yeah. Um, they will, I mean, <laughs> moving will do that to you, dude. Scramble your whole life so that you don't even go see the new Tarantino film right when it comes out unbelievable i still haven't even seen spider-man dude you haven't seen spider-man yet no i saw spider-man i thought you were done with mcu i am but i i was bored <laughs> no that's honestly i think i let you get to me dude after you were like you were like oh i'm done i don't have to watch mcu movies anymore i was like is this is this freedom is this what i've been waiting on like, yes it is it is freedom because <laughs> I, I haven't gone and seen it is even though spider-man's like one of my favorite marvel you can wait till it comes out on disney plus well, if I if I I mean if I go to the theater again while it's still there, that'll be what I see. Uh, but who knows, man? It's uh, it's tough when you're watching a movie at home every week. You gotta yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you have well, time for uh, all okay. The I really want to know what your thoughts were on uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, because I warned you about it. Y- you did warn me about it, and I did a little bit of research before reading one Wikipedia article. And honestly, I think that I didn't do a good job of comprehending what I read because I ended okay. up being super confused uh, by what happened in the movie. However, um, I feel like maybe we should do a spoiler warning before we go any further, or should we go spoiler free? I don't know how deep we can you. talk about this without spoilers, um, but I guess let's try to be spoiler free here. Um, okay. If, uh, anyways, the historical context around this, the movie assumes that you know a lot about the Manson murders. Yes. And... I even though I read a Wikipedia article about them, it doesn't have the same impact reading a Wikipedia article as it as it would if you lived through that time and had like the emotions behind it. Because uh, who's the actress who got got murdered by the uh, the Manson family 
in real life. Sharon Tate. Sharon, Sharon Tate. Tate. Right. So people look at Sharon Tate's death as this huge tragedy. It's like uh, this, you know, up this rising Hollywood star who died early, and, and was pregnant. And was pregnant. So you know, obviously, even more tragic. That means for me, it still meant nothing. Even when I went and saw the film and saw her in the movie, it was like I could tell there were these names that they were dropping. Like, for instance, there's so many. Uh, what do you call them? Those things they have over the theater that say who's playing tonight. Um, Oh, I don't, I don't know what that's called. You know what I'm talking it's about, on a though. Billboard, you, yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to climb a ladder to put them up there, and it has a name. I can't remember. It does. It definitely has a name. But either way, it, w- there were names on those. I kept reading them throughout the movie, and I'm, I'm like, I wonder if these are even remotely real or if they're references to things. Uh, but because I'm so far removed from the historical context, a lot of that went over my head. Even though I tried to do some sort of supplemental research before I went to the movie. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like I went into this movie with the same like attitude that I go into with every movie, especially movies that I, I want to see, which is like very minimal. Yes. Like I don't watch the trailers. Yes. I don't do, I don't read any reviews or anything unless it's a movie that I'm not like, I'm on the fences about seeing, but if it's a Tarantino movie, I've loved all of his movies. You know, I want to go in there as fresh as I can. I didn't know much about the Manson murders. I knew that they had happened. I kind of knew like, like what the deal was. I knew that like there was a guy named Charles Manson and he manipulated some people into killing people, but I didn't know anything else beyond that. So have it like Margot Robbie's whole like, like B plot where she's going around town, going to the movies, you know, showing her feet. There's a lot of feet in this movie. Oh, showing her feet. Did, did we talk about that on or off the podcast before? About I feel like Tarantino's uh, feet obsession? Feet, yes. Foot, foot finish? Yes. I don't remember. I, I remember talking to you about that and like we weren't super clear. Like I remember there's a little bit of a confusion. Like, does he have a foot fetish? After seeing this movie, is it is it obvious enough? It's very obvious. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where um it, it's like I don't know what his official stance is on having a foot fetish, but if if he said he, like publicly he was like, Yeah, I have a foot fetish, I'd be like, Oh, okay, that makes perfect sense then. You know, Wouldn't like, that be I, a little like I don't know, isn't that like a little bit kind of I don't know uh crude or like um lewd like lewd yes. in a way to like well, a, a, to like display your fetish on screen like a, explicitly like that yes yeah no and that's why i think a lot of people take issue with it but what's the other explanation why else <laughs> would he do what he did <laughs> why else do we have all these close-ups of feet <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> like, uh, that's I'm sitting there watching it because um, it's one of those like t- making fun of Quentin Tarantino is definitely like a online like, hey, do you want to make men angry? Like, do you want to make a white guy punch a hole in drywall? Tell him that Quentin Tarantino sucks. Okay, that's like a, <laughs> that's like let the bait, you know, the casting sure. out the bait to get a reaction from a man. And one of the things that I've seen used many times to criticize Quentin Tarantino is that he has a foot fetish, and, and this is even before once upon a time in hollywood but after once upon a time in hollywood i'm like okay fair like you guys aren't even he doesn't have a foot to stand on (laughs) it's that was horrible Um, (laughs) but also it's um you know it's almost like the evidence is right there you can't deny it it's yeah it's like i don't necessarily i don't want to kink shame quentin tarantino but i mean dude just be honest be like i have a foot fetish like if you're showing up for my movies and you also have a foot fetish like you're going to have a great time. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. Plenty of people that put their sexual fantasies in the movies. Uh, so why not Tarantino? He's got it. I mean, if that's if that's his thing, dude, because if it's not and listen, if it's not, 
what are you doing, dude? I, I don't Why? know. Because that the scene where uh, Margaret Robbie is in the theater watching herself in a movie, yeah. putting putting her feet up the whole movie, bruh. Why? Why do we? It's like it, it, the only thing we need to see is her face, but you have to like look past her toes to see her face. Her feet that are kind of grimy. Well, she's okay, been so, walking around in the grass, and I, this kind of undermines my whole point so far. But that could be like a, a thing. It's like, well, hippies don't wear shoes, so now I'm going to show you how dirty. Or maybe their feet he are. has a, his foot fetish is very specific about having dirty feet. Uh. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, I, I'm not like uh, necessarily grossed out by feet or anything. Like, I, I think they're fine. But just thinking about it logically, it's the point of contact with the ground, so they're going to collect more. It's just going to be dirtier in general, right? I don't, I don't know how. No, there's no way to explain it. Anyway, I want to talk about how I was confused about the movie more than I want to talk about his foot fetish. <laughs> I was like, I was so confused the whole time and i walked out of the movie and i was like what is like i i clearly have missed something i don't understand what happened i was frustrated especially since it went it was like it was so long and it felt like it dragged out forever plus there's just like all these shots of just driving and that i was like why is why is this why are there so much driving going on in this movie um and okay so i i watched a, a review a red letter media did a review of this movie um, and I watched them just to see if they agreed with me or not. Of course, they thought the movie was wonderful. Um, and they said that the driving portions were to uh, point out like all the set design that he did in the background to make it look like uh, 1970s Hollywood, which uh, I didn't pick up on because I wasn't paying the close attention. Um, and I, I feel kind of dumb for not doing that. But it also, like, I don't know, I, I just didn't, I don't know, there was a lot of stuff I didn't connect with with this movie. And that's because I didn't have the, the historical context necessary um as i should have i don't know i i i don't know like what i could have done you know because i purposely avoid reading stuff about the movie so it's not like i could have read an article that said oh definitely read about this before you see it otherwise you're gonna be a very confused boy i don't know uh what i need is for somebody else to make something compelling about the manson family and then i'll come back and re-watch this movie with more information and there then actually like, has oh. been a bunch of like documentaries and stuff recently or like biopics or something recently about it um, I don't know anybody off the top of my head, but apparently they've all come out pretty recently. Well, yeah, because so. like murder podcasts are so popular. Yes, uh, they are. And, and stuff like that. So it's, I, I don't want, because here's the thing. When I walked out of the movie, I was like, did I like it? Did I like that Tarantino film? And usually after I go and see a Tarantino film, it's so easy to answer that question. Usually yeah. I'm like, yes, dude, that was freaky. That blew my mind. I, I love that so much. Uh, this time I was a little bit hesitant. But first off, what, did I like the movie or not? What an what overly simplified question to judge an entire <laughs> movie. Um, so and like I had a good time watching it. So that that is going for it. But after doing some like more research after to try to figure out what I just saw, I um I did feel a little bit robbed of some of the experience because I didn't have the surrounding context. Uh which I think is more of a wash as far as like how you uh regard a movie whether it's good or not which again yeah. oversimplifying the whole thing but it could be that having the context and understanding the time period that this was going on makes it transcend what you would normally look at a Tarantino film for uh, because if you have all that historical context it's awesome and it does have a lot to enjoy even if you don't understand the context it's a good like I think as far as a movie goes it, there's a lot to like but there's a lot of stuff in there that was that was good that, that I liked um and especially like the last like 10 or 20 minutes which I thought was oh yes was very exciting classic um, Tarantino yeah 
uh, which I also felt, I think robbed is a good way of putting it because I, I certainly felt like it was, the movie was not made for someone like me uh, who didn't have the context necessary. This is clearly like a love letter to Hollywood um, in general. So having the, uh, uh, so, so if you know a lot about Hollywood and like Hollywood history, then of course this is something that you're going to know about and it's going to resonate well with you. But for someone like me who is kind of, um, disgusted by Hollywood culture in a way, but loves the stuff that they make. Uh, this is something that, you know, didn't connect with me at all. So I'm going to go with the, if the answer to your simplistic question, no, I didn't like this movie. I, um, I liked it. <laughs> There's another movie that I saw. I saw this this morning, uh, that I enjoyed way more and I'm very self-conscious about why uh, that I enjoyed this way more than the, than this, you know, artsy, uh, um, like hold up to Hollywood culture and like the celebration of old time Hollywood values. The movie that I saw this morning was of course, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, nice. Did you go was, see, is that still in the theaters? Yeah. It was wonderful. Was it was everything it? I hoped it would be. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I mean, what does that even mean? I, okay. So I don't know if I've really got a record on it, but I love the Fast and Furious movies. I, like unironically, I think they're wonderful. I think they're great cinematic uh, things, uh, great things to see in theaters because they're all spectacle. There's nothing realistic or, or even like, um, like anything grounded about them. There, it's all this like, what can we do? What can we show you? How can we blow your minds? Cause we can like, you know, modern movies today with the CGI and everything, they can do literally anything. Um, and the stunts, um, the you know the, choreo the choreography everything in this movie is just so impressive um, and I was just blown away as I am with almost every other Fast and Furious movie <laughs> I've only seen the seventh one which was an emotional journey for everyone who actually I mean it was slightly yeah, I, it was slightly no, emotional yeah you you were in the theater with me I cried <laughs> you were like why is he crying <laughs> well not well, I mean I knew Paul Walker was dead at that point that's this spawned a lot of jokes for me I guess which sounds awful saying it like that but it's <laughs> um but outside of that I didn't have any context I've never seen any of the other movies so these guys who actually oh man I, I listened to the coolest NPR uh story <laughs> I start stories with those exact words too much. Oh, I listened to this awesome report on NPR. But they <laughs> talked about how these guys, uh, specifically the characters in Hobbs and Shaw, uh, Dwayne Johnson and... Um, Jason Statham. Jason Statham. They manage their character where they have to be dealing, doling out as much punishment as they're receiving, at least, if not the, you know, if not exceeding the punishment uh, that they're receiving, because they have this image to upkeep of being like total badasses, like the ultimate badasses. Even though Jason Statham sometimes plays a bad guy, he has to make sure that he retains this image of being like totally invincible. Yes, and what's really interesting about this movie is it like it breaks down every wall that you can think of. First of all, like Dwayne, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson's character, he's very like he plays everything you think the Rock is. He's like super charismatic. He's like very like like he can punch people through walls and stuff. He's like very strong, like like way too strong. Um, and of course, they actually go to Samoa, um, and he like reconciles with his family and everything. It's all very touching, but it's also like everything you think of as the Rock. There he is. There's this whole thing where um, Deckard, uh, uh, Jason Statham's character, sets up uh, um, the Rock's character to be like strip searched at the at the airport um, by like get, making like flagging his um, 
his passport or something. Um, and when, when you see the rock again, he's like on the plane and he's like greeting everyone he sees. He's like touching people on the shoulder. He's like smiling at them. And you can kind of tell that like, he's very frustrated with what just happened. Um, and, and his reaction is just to be extra nice and like extra pleasant to everyone. Uh, and it's like, that's probably how he really acts. Oh yeah. He's, and, he's and, like one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, but also one of the nicest guys. Yeah. Everyone says he's so charismatic. Uh, then there's, uh, of course, there's this whole thing where Jason Statham is walking through his secret garage and he has all these super nice cars and what's in that garage, a green mini Cooper in which he says, Oh yeah, that was from a job we did in Italy. Oh wow. Yes. <laughs> Wait, was Jason Statham in the Italian job? Yes, he was what? handsome Rob. They, oh my god! They don't care. They <laughs> don't care. Like this is they they go as far as they possibly can. There's constant. There's like a bunch of Game of Thrones references, which is like very out of place, and it's just it's just weird. Oh, by the way, uh, spoiler alert: uh, Ryan Reynolds is in this movie, and he basically plays Deadpool. Like he acts like Deadpool. <laughs> it's freaking weird. There are two other amazing cameos in this movie that show up and like play like really interesting and actually kind of like monumental plot moving roles that are like very tasteful. It's it's very good. Uh, the Fast and Furious movies like blow my mind, not just because of like the crazy action and stuff in them, but first of all, if you want to talk about diversity in movies, these movies hit the mark every time. They always like represent highly in other demographics other than just like white guys, you know, like they started moving past that after like the second or third movie. The uh, the other thing is like every time it seems like the, the actors in these movies love being a part of it. Every time an actor gets roped into one of these movies, they appear in every movie after that. You know, in, in Fast Five, Dwayne Rock Johnson shows up. Uh, he's in every movie after that. And this, in the sixth, uh, the seventh one, uh, it's Deckard Shaw, it's Jason Statham. He's in every one after that. You know, they just, they're like, oh yeah, we'll just grab him. And then they're like, yeah, I'm along for this ride. I want to keep going. Yeah, I've heard it. it's uh, going back to like keeping up their image. They're involved in like every part of it where they're like when they when yeah, they start producers. when they start learning the uh, like the choreography for the fights. They're like, OK, I received too many punches here. Let's change it so that actually I'm kicking his ass. And then Dwayne Johnson's like, whoa, 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 whoa. OK, if you're going to do that, then I get to like totally sling you over this ledge later on. He's like, OK, but that's fine. But I land next to a crowbar, which I like hit you with after. And they're like doing the math and like, all right, so this this. <laughs> This will calculate out to like us both looking badass. So like, all right, as long as that goes, and then then they oh. they even are involved in the edit. So they're they're in the cutting room too. The the editor is trying to like earn his salary. Meanwhile, Dwayne Johnson's like, no, 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 change that keyframe. Like, they, I need to look, <laughs> I need to look more tough in this, or else you know, obviously my whole brand yeah. is at risk. So it's it's like a calculated risk they take every time they make these movies to like uphold this image so that they can make another movie and people will still th think they're badass. It's, I think it's great. I, I mean, they just do so much in there, you know? I mean, it's just very, uh, it's very visceral, um, even though it's like a P313 movie, and it's just so much fun to go through, you know? They, they, they never, like, there's never a moment where you're like, oh, yeah, are they really hurt? Oh, yeah, like, that, that would, like, that would break somebody's bones or something. It's just like, oh, yeah, they're going to get right back up and keep moving. That's just how this works. And it's just, like, how far can they push it? How far 
can like how far can they go before you walk out of the theater because they have not hit that limit yet <laughs> <laughs> well i just love the idea of changing the hierarchy on set where in other movies it's like it's the director's vision you know i'm sure in tarantino sure. films you, you, what he says goes right meanwhile uh, fast and the furious movies it's like these the movie franchise it's is one thing but it's really just the com- combination it's the uh, the sum of all the parts and these parts are individually gigantic and you have to satisfy each member to continue making this film franchise so it totally pulls the franchise into all these different directions that would yes. never happen if it was just up to the director yes that's the thing it's like it's driven by the actions like how do we set it up so that they're doing this how do we set it up so that this happens and I, I think that I think it serves it well I think there's moments in here that like really like they don't sacrifice for um, like uh, in the end you know they, they make decisions that kind of like they just elevate them as characters and, and, and show like, oh yeah, they can overcome basically anything. Um, what was I just thinking about? Sorry. Lost my train of thought. I can't remember. <laughs> Too many beers. Okay, well, I, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to shift focus here and talk about uh, a meme I made earlier this week. <laughs> on, oh, yeah. Uh, on my Instagram and on, on Twitter. I did my own version of like the pretty boy swag challenge or whatever you want to call that meme. I think it's just called the pretty boy swag meme, but it's that soldier boy song. And right when the beat drops, it becomes like deep fried or whatever. And you like you change into an actual image of something that looks kind of like you that you're posed like. And uh, for years, I've known my brother and I both get this a lot because we look we look alike, but we both look like Ray Romano. Especially young Ray Romano. Yes. If you want to picture what Ben looks like and you don't know, just picture Ray Romano. Yeah. (laughs) Just picture the the mammoth from uh, Ice Age. Deborah! (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's honestly, as far as doppelgangers go, not the worst one to have. I think no. Romano is very funny. He's uh, one of the highest paid sitcom actors ever. Uh, he made a lot of money on Everybody Loves Raymond. And I just don't mind him being my doppelganger. Again, could be worse. <laughs> so I've known that for a long time. And in fact, I was trying to explain that to someone because I'm not, I, I, I don't even remember what I was doing. I think maybe they didn't know who Ray Romano was or they couldn't remember. So I Googled Ray Romano. I was like, this is him. And it came up with this picture of him like in front of, like it was a, you know, a very normal photo shoot. Like when you would do it at like a Kmart or something, like it has like the, the changeable <laughs> background and he's doing like a Heisman pose, like holding a, a ball and doing a stiff arm, but he's holding a basketball and like back in the 90s or late 80s like that was considered comedy like oh he's doing a football thing but he's holding a basketball like (laughs) only like only like real like comedians will understand like this it requires a high iq to understand ray romano's comedy anyways i thought that image was so funny and it's because it's young ray romano i was like oh i could definitely do the pretty boy swag beam to this uh so i just i just stole the audio from a different instagram video that did the same meme uh i literally did like the screen record and then uh instead of doing it on tiktok like everybody else i just did it in my own video editing software and put it out to a pretty amazing response and and amazing for me uh where people were retweeting it and liking it and people on instagram were like it was it's my most liked thing i've ever posted on instagram um which again 
plenty of normal people surpass that every single day. <laughs> but for me, I was like, wow, that people are really engaging with this content, um, which is great. It made me feel really good. I didn't expect people to respond so well uh, to this. It is really funny. Definitely check it out if you haven't. Well, I appreciate that. But at the same time, there's this like this little in the back of my head i'm like this is one of the least original things i've done in a while <laughs> because <laughs> it's not the only thing that makes it unique to me is that i look like ray romano but the meme format and the idea behind it is totally copied from every other uh, pretty boy swag meme that's what memes are yes but i guess what's frustrating <laughs> is that I, we we sit down every week and i try to create something brand new and uh, the thing that catches on the most is the like copy paste comedy uh, from every, literally everyone else on the internet. That's just how it works, you know. People people like staying in their little bubbles, you know. Uh, like it's so hard to like branch off into new podcasts or like new like channels on YouTube and stuff because you don't want to get sucked down some rabbit hole. You know, like you know the consequences of some of finding something you like is that you waste a lot of time in, indulging in it. Um, and you know, you want to stay in your own little realm. So it, it makes sense that, that people kind of use their lizard brains when they're, you know, browsing for content. Well, sure. I think. And yeah, especially on Instagram and even Twitter, like it's kind of lowest common denominator content. It's like got to make something that appeals to everyone. Right. And, yeah. um, as far as our following goes, and everyone knows that you look like Ray Romano. Yeah. So. Well, everyone knows it. As soon as they watch that video, they're like, Oh, it is him. <laughs> Dude, you know, I think my... I actually said that to you. One of the first times I met you, well, I, I, I said that, Oh, did you ever say to you that you look like Ray Romano? <laughs> well, yes. And uh, also I sent it to my mom, just like the video version of it, like not on Instagram or Twitter. And yeah. she replied, is that your brother at the end? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. So even my mom thinks we look like Ray Romano. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It was, you know, I, I'm glad that it was so well received. But um, it, it kind of gives us like a, a window into what it would be like to be a real content creator, like a full time job content creator, where you're constantly battling between like expressing yourself totally authentically and like following trends and yeah. be, making the thing that's going to get the most engagement. Um, so at this time in our lives, it's nice to be doing this recreationally and we can do whatever we want um, because our livelihood isn't dependent on engagement. So that's why we can talk about memes like this on our, our podcast. It doesn't matter. Sure. We don't have to do the most trendy topic possible. Um, one of my uh, favorite memes right now is the My Homie Jerome meme, also known as Nisley Niles Disappears. Do you know this meme? I don't think I know this meme. I haven't heard about this meme. I don't think so. You might have. It's like, okay, it's like the little like black kid and he's doing like a peace symbol and then he's slowly disappearing across three frames oh dude this is this meme was back on vine dude i know yeah, exactly that's, what that's where it got about. that's where it got famous he actually made a series of them uh from from vine um i i don't know this has come up recently this is uh it's been kind of trending for a while but it's come up more and more there's so <laughs> many looking, good ones out there I'm right looking now at it right now on, on google images it's like me finally takes my schizophrenia medication my <laughs> homie jerome yes <laughs> he like fades out of existence <laughs> uh, there's so many really good ones um that's yeah. great like uh, oh here's one from uh know your meme it says uh we gotta hang out um over summer and then he's just slowly disappearing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's oh it's good it's a it's just a, a classic thing and it's just there's so many good um like references and so many good uh uses for it especially when people start subverting it and, and things so that's just a 
a, a popular meme that I just want to talk about. That's no, all, that's I all like I that. Here. I like that a lot. You should tweet out some My Homie Jerome memes and we'll retweet it on the Apple chat uh, Maybe I will. account. Maybe you will. Probably not, though, right? Hey, if you Joey when us, he says uh, Joey when he says uh, he's gonna tweet on uh, on Twitter, yeah, and then, <laughs> and then fades oh out God. of existence. Yeah, if you follow us on uh, on Twitter, you'll know for sure that Joey freaking never tweets. And uh, <laughs> old Fourth and Ben is over there carrying the entire podcast on his back um, <laughs> from a Twitter perspective. That's true. Um, <laughs> it's fun though. I like I like running the Apple Chat Twitter account because basically all day while I'm just mindlessly scrolling i'm like low-key looking for good images that i can yeah, put yeah. uh consider listening to apple chat on um so it's kind of like a little game you know it's something uh, uh something to do when i'm bored so it's uh yeah those are fun too yeah. i like those yeah. and and it's also yeah you know, the whole point is to not impose ourselves on anyone right just right. It's, you consider if as long as you consider it as long as you think be like hmm, you know yeah that's it that's all you ask for you don't have to do anything else if you if that consideration leads to you know you know many lists of subscribing writing reviews listening calling our 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 phone number like that's fine you know all the all that'd be great you know that's just additional benefit as long as you sit down just for a second you don't have to sit you can stand and just consider listening to it that's all we ask that's all we we're, we're nice guys here in apple chat you know no pressure yeah right? yeah yeah we're not pressuring you to do anything yeah just do whatever you, you want don't want to do just consider it okay Can, just give yeah, us the, you, do us the courtesy of that you, least considering have you considered it that's right um, <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the things I've been considering pretty heavily lately is, um, what kind of weapons I'm going to specialize in, in my fire emblem playthrough, which I'm doing right now, because I just that recently, was a great segue, by the way. I just recently got <laughs> the new fire emblem for switch. And as a person who hasn't played fire emblem since it was on mobile, it's crazy different now. And by mobile, I don't mean on my phone. I mean on oh. Game Boy. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant. I, I never played Fire Emblem Heroes because when I got it, I only had 16 gigabytes on my phone and it was like five gigabytes like oh. on its own or something. So I couldn't play it. I thought you were going to say I only had 16% battery. I just couldn't afford it at the time. <laughs> yeah, I actually, once my phone runs out of battery, I just buy a new phone. You know, it's, it's uh, it, you know what I'm saying? It, I don't want to spend the electricity uh, out of my wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, that's you're wasteful. Actually saving money by doing that that's right it's wasteful i think to like constantly use all that energy so i just go to the yeah. store because there it already has energy in it when i that's buy right. it so i just buy a new one and uh and the battery's nice and fresh it lasts a long time that's right they just plucked the battery off the battery bush and uh it's still fresh in there so i <laughs> okay this bit doesn't make a lot of sense but i uh now that i have a switch it's imperative that i acquire the newest fire emblem and it has been great I, yeah. uh, it's, people have told me it's a lot like Persona. Have you ever played Persona? No. Okay, me neither. But apparently Persona <laughs> is almost like a relationship simulator. And I might be wrong about this, but that's... Like a dating sim? Kind of. Although dating isn't like the main focus. It's more of like, you're a teacher and all of your like units are your students. So you can become closer with them and like help them master certain skills and they can be closer with each other and like fight back to back on the battlefield. And what Fire Emblem used to be was like when I was a kid, when I was playing the ones for Game Boy Advance, it was like conversations and story that would happen on either ends of battles. So you'd have like the, the opening cinematic where people talk and they're like, Oh no, like, bandits coming in from the woods like oh we weren't we totally weren't ready for battle but like get set up you know and then then you do a mission and you 
turn-based strategy, and then it goes back to dialogue. This one opens the game up completely, where those battles are now just one facet of a much larger game, which entails like being a teacher, ha- like talking to people, gaining their trust, becoming better friends with them, sharing meals with them, uh, teaching them s- things in class, and you like actually in real time walk around this academy that you teach at and you can find things on the ground and and go fishing and do all these other activities that in the end have a chance to influence how your characters do on the battlefield which is the end goal you want to have the best fighting force but the game makes it that much easier to get invested in your characters by making them real people and making a large part of the game just interacting with them sometimes in almost innocuous ways it's it's really cool it's something that i thought would be really tedious ends up being really refreshing so you're not sitting there tactical all the time being like all right what's my next move how many you know how much defense does this character have there's, isn't that still like, tactical though to like influence how these people will like react yes but there's is a little more whimsy to it you know like okay. you just have to put them together and be like okay now talk you know but then, <laughs> then but then there's like a whole cutscene where they talk to each other and you're like okay i start you like a character beyond just their appearance and their stats you right. also start to or you you could like or dislike them uh based on the character that they actually are uh and that's been really cool because fire emblem most again for the Game Boy Advance, they were all the same story. Each mission happened back to back. Now you, there's a whole. You can have a completely well, not completely, but a largely unique experience compared to somebody else based on the choices that you make. And I think that's really cool. That is really cool. So I, I haven't I haven't played it yet. Um, I'm going to because we we are going to do an episode about it, right? Yes, eventually. I want to beat it. I don't know how long it's going to take or if that's even something like what even is beating a game now, right? Like. <laughs> 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 it's uh i don't know how to answer that is question. it getting 100 percent? is it just beating the final boss i mean in this climate is, is there even it's definitely completing the story in this climate what are you about to say <laughs> i was gonna say like is uh i don't know so i was trying to make like a capitalism joke about defeating your boss but um <laughs> it's it's a uh I want to get to the point where I feel like I actually have some expertise in the game. Thanks. Sure. When I went into it, I was like, okay, this is going to be old hat. I beat the, I beat the game with advanced fire emblems many times each, even on hard mode. I, when I beat fire, emblem, even on hard mode, you heard it here. Gamers. I, um, I actually, I need to go home and get them. But when I beat fire emblem, the original fire emblem on hard mode, I, after I saved the game and I took the batteries out and I put them in like this special box that I have and I saved, that's my, I beat Fire Emblem on hard mode batteries. That's like my keepsake for like they haven't exploded getting yet? through that. I, that's a good question. They've been in that box for years, dude. Um, I, I mean, my parents' house is still standing. That's, a, that's so. such a sweet thing that you did, but also really stupid. Like, <laughs> really? They're going to explode? Saving the batteries? Why didn't you save like something else? You could have saved the, what other tangible thing? Or something. Could I you could have take a picture of with your, with your disposable camera. At that age, I don't think I even had like a camera, right? Like it was definitely before I had a phone. Like this was in elementary school, I'm pretty sure that I beat Fire Emblem on hard mode. Um, man, I haven't, I didn't think about this before bringing it up on the podcast. Next time I'm home, I'm definitely going to search for those batteries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but the reason I did that was because it was such a huge achievement. Yeah. Because it was hard. It was legitimately hard and it took me many hours. And I mean, it was called hard that's i mean aptly named (laughs) but returning to this game i was like this will be old hat this will be easy for me no fire emblem has innovated it has changed and as much as that 
for, like makes it harder for me to play now. Uh, it's I think it's a great choice. You got to change if you want to continue to exist. And sure. um, I highly recommend that you get this as soon as you can because it's it's a lot of fun. It's been definitely taking up too much of my time lately uh, because been, uh, it's so much fun. I've been spending all my time playing Mario Maker. I've been like I've been such a Mario Maker fan like long before uh, the second one came out. Uh, I, was, I was watching people play it online, um, like on YouTube, all, like all the time. It was always so like so interesting to me because people were always finding new like crazy setups. People were making crazy new levels. The, the innovation in that game is just astounding. Then the second one came out recently, um, and I got that for the Switch. Um, and it's I mean it's so much fun. There's like there's just so many levels. I, mean, I think they recently passed the five million level mark, uh, which is like crazy to think. You know like, and of course like probably at least three million of them are complete garbage uh but there's a lot of really cool stuff that people have made out there and um, it's really fun to discover it um and i've been working on one level in particular uh, of my own which i haven't i have yet to beat <laughs> in its completion i've not you have to beat it in order to upload it and i i think i might have made it too hard because i don't know if i can actually beat it i can beat each section individually but doing it all at once it's going to be a real challenge so that's, that's super cool. That's such a good re like uh that's such a good rule to have that your level has to be beatable by at least you. To, yeah, yeah. To be well, that's the thing that makes it really interesting is because some of these levels like you look at and like like the, 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 these guys will play on and be like, you know, this like I'm one of the best players in the world and I can't get through this stage. This is probably not the way you're supposed to do it. And they'll search for like hidden blocks that have hidden stars in them or like hidden blocks with vines that go to the top and skip the whole level. There's some people that are super good at sniffing out like ways to get around. They call it cheese when you find a, a, a an unintended route. Uh, so some people are really good at sniffing out cheese and they will make it um, all the way through. It's pretty amazing the stuff that, that people do and the way that people break levels. Um, and there's some people out there that make these incredible troll levels that just kill you in the most fascinating and like unexpected ways. And they have like the most elaborate ways of manipulating the game that you've ever seen. So, um, there's just, I like Minecraft. It's like, there's endless possibilities to this and people have just been expanding and expanding and expanding on it. And from like, from like the second day, people were finding ways to break the game and finding ways to to make Mario teleport across the map or like manipulate the way he like respawns or anything like that. It's just insane the stuff that people have found. So um, I've just been I've been very much enjoying it and you know also very frustrated uh, all the time because I can find all these levels that make me so mad. <laughs> well, I, you know I sometimes th like to think that I'm like a true gamer. But I know that I'm not because I've had Mario Maker in the cellophane for like the last month. I still haven't opened it. I actually bought it's a commitment. Mario, I bought Mario Maker before I bought Fire Emblem, and now I've sunk at least like ten hours into Fire Emblem. So it might be a minute for Mario Maker. But eventually, hopefully, we can do an episode about that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and talk about that. And because uh, again, I've heard so, such good things about it. It's just there's only so much time, dude. This whole yeah, I this, know, and it's a lot. It's kind of a lot to invest, especially like if you want to get good, because like, because I feel like I've spent enough time that I've gotten, I've actually gotten better at the game, but I'm still like, I'm nowhere near like the people that I put, like watch on YouTube or anything. I'm I'm not even close to the stuff that they can do. I'm just not nearly as precise or like as careful as they are. But of course, they also do this for like a living. They play like they play the same game every day, which is like. 
insane. But that's the thing about about this game is that it offers all of these opportunities for like new and exciting ways to to do to to mess with Mario. Um, and it's just kind of amazing that like Nintendo allowed their IP to be manipulated this way. It's pretty cool. Yep. My, I can conclusively say my parents were wrong, dude. I should have stayed in my room playing video games and I'd be a millionaire by now. They kept on <laughs> being like, you found a way to be demonetized. They're like, Oh, oh, go outside. You know, when is going outside ever made me any money? Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fortnite <laughs> is paying out $3 million, uh, to, to be, I don't know what that to win a tournament, yeah, yeah, and it's uh, and it's everything that gamers do now is like super epic. Meanwhile, I'm over here working a nine to five like some loser, and uh, and I have and I have no like gamer girls, dude. That's actually the worst part. Oh yeah, definitely. There's no. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man, the whole like streaming as a living thing is so like it's so crazy to me. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that I fa- I saw this video on Reddit where this guy uh like basically ha- he was a streamer and he was like i like i give up i can't do this anymore i've been streaming for you know, blank number of years it was a long time it was like between three and seven years and i have yet to like make like do anything make make any sort of living off of this i i can't sustain this my life is falling apart because this is all i'm doing and everything and it was i mean it was really sad but it was also like kind of eye-opening because it's like uh, all the people in the comments were like very supportive and they're like, you know, there are a lot of people like you out there, a lot of people that see all these people succeed. And for every one of those, there's like 10,000 people that are just like you who, who never make it, you know, who who try and never quite quite get there. Um, and then, of course, like this got, video got a lot of attention and everything. Um, it, like in this guy, like he has like face tattoos and everything because he's like he did it for streaming. I don't even know. It seemed like he was making a lot of life decisions for uh, each, on the fly. For each subscriber, I will get an extra face tattoo. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's definitely a decision you won't regret. Seven face tattoos later, he's like, all right, any more? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have some space left in my nose. <laughs> anyway, the, like, I think it was the next day or, or two days afterward, uh, he posts another video that says, uh, it's like, never mind, I'm back in it. <laughs> Oh, that's good. The video, well, the thing is, like, it's so funny because it's like, as soon like he makes this video, it's his most popular video, the most popular thing that he's ever made, right? And it's talking about, it's like him being authentic, uh, saying how much, like, streaming has destroyed his life and, like, how much, like, he's put all this faith in this thing that, that didn't pay off. And now that he has all this, these eyes on him, he's like, now I can capitalize on it. Now I can, I can do the thing that I wanted to do after I've decided to give up that's when I decided that this is not a pipe dream anymore. It's just like the the mentality of of streamers or the mentality of people that want to make it on YouTube, you know, people like us in a way that want to like try and uh, uh, monetize what they're doing is, is so like contradictory in a way, you know? The only people that really make it are like people that are super lucky. Oh yeah, it's a big, I'm, that's something I've heard from, especially Gus Johnson talking about his journey from doing, you know, doing his own thing on YouTube by himself for a few years to the massive success he has today is that everyone who makes it has a lot of luck and every anyone who says that, that they don't it's just pure talent is lying uh, because there's just too many factors and there's only so many people that can have a huge following and yeah uh, it's, it's true although it, like it seems like it's always going up there's always seems like there's more and more of them but well, I don't know. Gary Vandercheck or what you know what I'm talking about Gary V. 
there's he's like this no. motivational online guy he actually i don't know he does a good job of posturing like he's this amazingly wise internet guy where he'll talk about how back in the day he was like i called it that blackberries were going to go out of style and he like plays a clip of him being like right now they're doing fine but they're going to be out of business before you know it and it's like when's the last time you saw a blackberry gary v's a genius like follow us on instagram um <laughs> something like that but he talks about uh you know just general attitudes towards that kind of thing like being online and he always pushes the idea that you should be more authentic don't worry about the vanity numbers he calls them like views subscribers listeners whatever it's like just make what you make it only takes one really amazing thing for it all to blow up um, which is kind of the way i'm looking at this especially because this isn't how i make my living it's just like make whatever inspires me and then if it if it pops off it pops off otherwise i'm having a good time making it you know yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just just keep making stuff, you know, and eventually people will will find it or people will like it. I don't know. It's just it, for for me, like, and for you too. But I I I just enjoy talking to you. I enjoy making videos. I enjoy talking about movies and stuff. And like for me, that's enough right now. And I I don't feel the need to push it any further than that. You know. Oh yeah, it definitely gives me certain satisfaction in like what where I'm what I'm doing with my life. You know, because yeah. there are definitely some times where, you know, you go to work and you're like, all right, work is good, but is that really? the thing that's making is that the reason why i wake up every day is to do like the exact thing i'm doing at work and i have no real problems with my job but i'm definitely kind of like it's like if money wasn't a, a an, like a thing i would definitely wouldn't be doing it right it's definitely a job uh versus this where it has merit in its own a, a yeah. creation so that for me is it's nice that i'm able to, to have both i guess and something that you've talked about before, I don't know about on the podcast, but like having a record of just you and I talking and stuff, it's such a, such a nice thing to have, you know, I don't know if like some EMP is going to wipe out SoundCloud's, uh, uh, you know, directories and everything, and we'll lose all this eventually. But for now it's like immortalized in, in, uh, you know, in digital stone, um, out there and people can go back and listen to what we talked about a year ago or, or even longer if we keep doing this. That's right. It's yeah. And, and that at the end of the day, it's like, who has that? Right. It's really awesome yeah. to even have, uh, to, to have access I mean, think to about it. like how many how many pictures of your grandfather are there how many pictures of your great-grandfather are there you know like how do you know what they what their lives are like do you know what they looked like or like what they what they were worried about and stuff like that i mean what we're documenting here is kind of like a biography in a way especially because i almost only i almost exclusively interact with you on the podcast yeah like it's <laughs> it's uh, outside of that it's like texts or whatever but uh, rarely do we I mean, and, and, and like we haven't phone... seen each other in person in years now. So, right. I mean, <laughs> maybe we should change like the whole topic of the podcast. It's like we should eventually have like a date where we're going to reunite and it's just like our exchanges all the way until then, you know, and that'll be, that'll the, be nice. The end of the podcast would be us finally reuniting in person. Could be cool. Could be cool. Could be cool. Uh, maybe somewhere around the hundredth episode, we should try to be in the same place geographically. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> um, but yeah. That's uh, that's the reality of doing the long distance podcast. It is something I'm working on right now. I've been doing my research, looking at various podcast setups. I won't get into the details here, but um, there's definitely some big choices to be made and money to be spent. But the, the goal here is to set something up so that I can have people come to me and talk to yeah. me in person and have a little bit more. Like you and I have kind of 
mastered the exchange online where we can make it seem like we're in the same room because we understand each other's cadences. We're both, you know, we have hundreds of hours on the mic, so we understand (laughs) how to speak clearly and what we're going for. But I feel like that's so much easier to achieve with someone who's not a podcaster if you bring them in for an interview in person instead of having to navigate Skype. Yeah. Plus there's all this technical stuff about setting up your microphone and, you know, sending files and stuff. I mean, a lot, a lot can go wrong and ruin a whole episode. Turn off your fan. Yeah. Yeah. All that kind of thing. So it's, um, you know, that's something, stuff you can learn, but it's, it's nice having someone you can rely on on the other end. That's right. So, um, but I still have to get that set up right now. I'm still in, in here by myself. I've got eight pieces of foam core on the wall, so it's, it's coming. That's eight more than I have. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's coming though. It's a work in progress. (laughs) <laughs> all right did you uh did you have anything else you wanted to talk about dude i'm, I'm kind no, of no i think i'm good for now i think i'm at the end of my rope here so um this was nice we should do this more often i i like yeah we should i like just having these little chats especially because like all episodes of apple chat off script there are no prerequisites you can just sit down and listen to it um i'm definitely gonna have to add i'm going to add a spoiler warning at the beginning of this episode for sure. once upon a time in hollywood hobbs and shaw and we, we talked fire about- emblem not Fire Emblem. We talked about another like movie or show, something else. Uh, whatever. I'll listen to it in the edit and put it in there. But um, most episodes of Off Script, the whole point is that we don't talk about specifically movies. And uh, so you can listen to that whenever you want. Uh, so, yeah. Once again, that phone number that we discussed at the beginning, which if you're still listening at this point, come on, just call us and tell us what you thought of this episode. Um, that phone number is 833-600-CHAT. Yes, it's 833-600-2428. Call us anytime. We're really looking forward to it. We'll play it on the podcast. This is your chance. That's right. Literally anytime because our automated voicemail is automated. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to be there for it. Um, we're not even going to be, uh, there's no even physical phone. It's all totally You don't even have, like, automated. if you feel nervous, we weren't, we're not actually picking up the phone. It's just an automated thing. You get unlimited tries, so. That's right. <laughs> so it's totally free to you just do it just do it. i know some people have like cell like phone anxiety where they they don't like making phone calls uh, i sometimes get that a little bit especially if it's like work related or it's you know there's it's important but there's no wrong answers here you can just call us up say what's on your mind and just wait for uh to hear it back when we do another episode yeah that's right also don't don't forget to uh subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts Yes, and don't forget also to leave us a review. That really helps us grow. Yeah, actually, I need your help. If you're still listening, again, I need your help. Because, <laughs> because listen, I've been attacked. What? I've been attacked. In attacked our, by who? In our reviews. Because I have a, a, like a teenage cousin, and she listened to the podcast. She actually listened to the episode about Minecraft, and she has some choice words for me in the, in the reviews. And uh, I, I mean, she's mostly trolling, but like if you go to our episodes and look at the reviews, the, f- the first review is her not being a fan and saying that we should probably try something else. Invest in the stock market instead of podcasting equipment, uh, which is pretty harsh, pretty harsh. So if you're a fan of Apple Chat, please go on there and defend our honor. Add a new review so that the first one people see is uh, is something new because sure. it's been there for too long. And honestly, <laughs> I think it's stunting our growth. <laughs> but also, but also, you can reach us on Twitter at Apple Chat or send us an email, AppleChat at gmail.com. Yes, and also check out our YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Affable Chat. Yeah, just search Affable Chat. Honestly, just Google Affable Chat, and it'll get you everything you need. That's right. Uh, but 
that's going to do it for this episode of Apple Chat Off Script. Uh, for Apple Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Apple Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.